today changes my whole entire life. Welcome to Gritability, a podcast about overcoming, no, a podcast about perseverance, overcooming seemingly inner surmountable odds. There we I can't go. do it. Do it and to the life of your dreams. There we go. There we go. I am in the studio by myself today because we have Adam zooming in from Philadelphia. This is the best episode I think we're going to do so far. He is, uh, today's the day that he gets off of paper officially. So we are celebrating three years of his freedom anniversary. And go ahead, I'll pass it over to you to take it over. Go ahead. Yes. Welcome to Gritability, a podcast about the power of perseverance, <laughs> overcoming seemingly insurmountable odds to attain the life of your dreams. And we are really living that dream right now. Uh, man, it's unfortunate that you're in Las Vegas and I'm here. Uh, would have loved to share this experience with you. But uh, I know that you're holding it down there in the studio. And I am here on the corner of Ninth and Market, directly across the street from the United States Federal Courthouse the place where I was sentenced to 213 years in federal prison, never to be released, um, no chance of parole, yet here I am outside the courthouse, walking the streets of Philly. Man, it's crazy to be back, to be back here in the city almost 24 years later. The city is so different. I'm standing outside of what's now the Fashion District Mall, used to be the Galleria. I mean, I hardly recognize anything. So today's been a crazy day. We filmed a bunch down here to memorialize this day, which marks three years that I've been home now. It also marks the end of my supervision, which is now officially over, which means... We can travel. Uh, I, man, I don't have to tell anybody where I'm going, what I'm doing. Uh, wow. First time in my adult life that I will be considered free. Uh, you know, although not all my rights are, are fully restored, I am free. I don't have to answer to anybody. I don't have anything hanging over my head. Man, it's an incredible, incredible feeling. So, whew, really fortunate to be here, I guess. Maybe a little um, background on why I'm in Philly. I'm here representing my organization, Social Purpose Corrections, where I serve as the Director of Innovation and Social Impact. Um, our mission is to transform the culture inside of prisons all across this country. And I am currently attending the Correctional Leaders Association Conference, as well as the American Corrections Association Conference. Two different events, both right here at the Philadelphia Convention Center and at the Marriott. Um, it's all of the top people in corrections from all across the country. And my goal is to connect with the commissioners and secretary of corrections, those people who are in charge of corrections for each state. 
and talk to them about how we can support their efforts to improve the current situation inside of their prisons and also to provide some additional resources, specifically healthcare to every individual who's transitioning out of their system so that when they're released, they have access to mental health, substance misuse treatment, and you know all of the other things that come along with good healthcare. You know, being able to see a doctor and get regular checkups, prescription medications, um, all of those things that I think a lot of people take for granted, and those people who come from you know uh, underserved communities generally don't have access to, and it's just another one of those barriers to success outside of prison. So we're helping to remove those barriers. That's what I'm doing here. I'm here building relationships. I have met with a number of directors today. Absolutely phenomenal experience. And yes, I shared with them that I was arrested just a few blocks from here, that I was sentenced right here, and you know that I started my time in the federal detention center just a few blocks down from here, which I think we're going to go ahead. And as we're, we're talking, we're going to take a walk because we're on the corner of Ninth and Market. It's only two blocks down. And, you know, little known fact, under the streets here, there's a tunnel that leads to the federal courthouse from the federal detention center so that they never have to bring you out above ground. They transport you from the detention center down into the basement, handcuffed, shackled, you shuffle, chained together for two blocks to get over here to the basement of the courthouse where they bring you in an elevator up to the floor where you're going to court and uh, usher you right into the courtroom and then right back out the door, down through the tunnel and back to your cell. Wow. It's a very efficient process. Um, I don't know how humane you would say that is, uh, but that's the way that it operates. Um, a lot of things that I haven't really thought about for many years. Again, that was almost 24 years ago. And a lot of things that, you know, I guess I haven't wanted to really talk about until right now. Um, I'm feeling a bit liberated. Like I can speak freely. I can, you know, talk more about, I don't know, other things that I was a bit reluctant to talk about while I was still on supervision. And while, you know, there were people who basically made threats to us about that supervision, about me having that hanging over my head, um, you know, they no longer have that. So... Yeah, thank God. Uh, thank God. Because how are you feeling now that I'm off supervision? That's the real question. I feel a weird sense of relief because, like you were saying, there were a couple of people, literally two specifically that I can think of, that I think uh, probably are very disappointed today that they didn't get you violated. And I think both. One specifically, we know made an attempt, which is really scary because while you were on paper, and I only admitted this to you for the first time last week, for the first time mm -hmm. in three years, that I... Which was heartbreaking. It, I, but it's the reality of our situation and a lot of people's situations that are 
watching this right now is that I had a backup plan in my mind for if you were violated. Now, I was wrong, but what I thought was if you got violated, you were violated on the life sentence. So I thought you were going back for the rest of your life, which is that's huge hanging over your head, right? And then knowing that you're living life right, but you never know when somebody's on paper. And I've seen throughout the years people get violated for stupid things. And thank God when the first person, when those issues happened, and I wasn't sleeping at night, you called your PO and she's like, we don't violate people on hearsay, right? But you can violate people for things that maybe, you know, are bogus, but not hearsay. And then you get arrested and you have to still sit there while you're waiting for them to fight. That's not fun, right? So I, for all of these years, up until literally today, and I didn't even think about it until I was telling my friend, my one of my best friends, the story today, but I had a plan. Like if you were arrested, then you would be going back to McKean, which is in Pennsylvania. We're in Las Vegas. I'm here with our two-year-old. I would have had to call my best, or in my head, I would call my best friend who lives in New Jersey and been like, all right, you got to come out here. We got to get a U-Haul. Got to get all my all of our stuff packed up. We got to send that back in a U-Haul pod to New Jersey. And then we have to take the two-year-old and drive across the country, no matter how long that takes, so that I can go and live back there and figure out, you know, what I'm going to (laughs) do with our two-year-old and visits. And God, I get chills just thinking about it. So yes, that's a big relief. I feel um, a a huge weight is lifted. Wow. Well, and when you told me that, God, um, I felt so guilty, right, to know that you felt like that was hanging over us. And honestly, that wasn't the case. You know, that's not how my term of supervision works. My life sentence was thrown out. And I wish I knew that. I wish I knew that sooner. But at the same time, I don't want you to feel guilty because at the end of the day, you were living right. If you were still doing criminal activity and there was a potential that you could have gotten yourself violated, then you should have felt guilty. But you weren't. You didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So where are you? I'm coming up on. Oh, hey. Look at this. I thought you saw somebody you knew again. No, I but just he stumbled. Did. I, yeah, I've run into uh, a number of people. As crazy as that One sounds. One that you were locked up with, that you just so happened yeah. to run into a, him in an elevator. How crazy. Escalator, on the escalator. Oh, the escalator. Coming down, I'm, you know, suited up. Coming down the escalator. I turn the corner. And there's another set of escalators. And I look at them and we lock eyes. And there's like an acknowledgement. He stops. He does a double take. He goes, Adam. Oh, my God. Now, did he know you were released? No. Oh, wow. He did not know. He was like, I always knew you were going to get out. Man, gave me a big hug. Yep. So... That was pretty incredible. Um, <laughs> oh, here we are. Yeah. Oh, we got security out front now. Let me get across the street. For people We're going like to do you. it from this side of the street. <laughs> so funny thing is, obviously, I don't fit the stereotype. So 
I can get away with a little bit more, right? So this building behind me, you see it up there? Mm -hmm. Now, if you look very closely at the building, you'll see the bottom floor is one type of concrete and then it changes, yep. right? Yep. And there's windows stacked on top of each other. So that first set of stacked windows that you see is the third floor. I know it doesn't make sense, but that's how they count it. The next set of stacked is the fourth. The next set of stacked is the fifth. That fifth floor, the corner window here, right here on the corner, that was the mop closet, right? That's where we worked out, hung on a, uh, on a, a bar that was made for, you know, the, the um, fire uh, system. They were not happy about that. Come in there all the time, like get off that bar. But you know, we were in the in in that little mop closet, literally with the mops, stinking. You know, that was our place to come and work out and get some stress relief. You know, right here, I used to look across the street at the African American Museum of History. That was right across the street, and there was a club right down the other street that used to be, you know, Friday nights, Saturday nights. Place would be jumping. And you're locked up watching and this? It, well, uh, you couldn't see it. We could see people walk by like this on the street. Like, I don't know. Can you see see all the people on the street? Yeah. There's a good deal of foot traffic right now, and it looks like there's something happening over in the park. Fairmount Park is right down here. So there's a lot of foot traffic tonight. And here I was up there, fifth floor, looking out the window. I'd see people I know walk by. I take off my boot and I'm beating on that window. See that window? It's like barely, you can barely get your two eyes into that window. I'm beating on the window, like trying to get people's attention. And every once in a while, they'd hear something, they'd look up and they'd be like, what the hell? They look at the front of the building and they took it off. They used to say, you know, federal detention center, there's no markings on this building anymore. But yeah, earlier when we were down here, when we were filming, you know, I was stopping people to ask them like, hey, you know what this place is? You know that there's over a thousand people locked in those cells right now? And very few people knew. I mean, even local people, like all these people walking the street right now, they don't, you know, oblivious to it. And unfortunately, the one woman, you know, I think part of it was her nerves when I told her, like she thought it was funny. I'm like, that's not funny. You know, you've got people locked in there, caged like animals. And that's, you know, that was me. That was me. And I, and I didn't know if I was ever, you know, going to be able to walk these streets again, if I was ever going to see the outside of a prison cell. I vividly recall the day that I was sentenced, looking out my window, looking down this street, I could see straight down. And, uh, man, all these years later, here I am. Free man today. It's pretty surreal. 
but you know, it's also bittersweet because damn, I feel for all those guys that are still in there, men and women. Sure. There's women up there on sixth or seventh floor. They're watching you like, who's this guy that keeps coming by with cameras? Yeah, there's, there's probably, I mean, there's a million cameras outside of this building and there's 10 times as many on the inside. Um, you know, that was the worst experience of my life. The most stressful. It felt like everybody was out to get me, to get us. And I found out that was actually true. They were. You know, I've talked about the stories with all of the guys that on my housing unit who, you know, were ready to come to court and try and testify against us. It's a prison. Did you know that? That's it. You live in the area? Yeah, thankfully not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I was actually in that building. I was. What would you guess? That's an interesting question. I don't know. Would you mind? I look like an officer. Well, 24 years later, I look very different than I did when I went in there. This is actually a podcast that you're on. It's called Gridability. It's my wife and I. She was with me for 11 years of a 20-year sentence that I served. We're leading an amazing life right now and advocating for other people to get a second chance as well. What do you think about second chances? I'm all in favor. That's good to hear. I, I think we all, you know, right? So thank you. This guy's like, why me? Well, there you go. There you go, man. A little, a uh, little brotherly love. I mean, for the most part, uh, we've had good response. Um, that individual definitely works here because he was out here earlier. Um, probably keeping an eye on things. See, there's so many and, things you said, and I'm like, thank God he's not on paper. <laughs> <laughs> right? Hey, no, honestly, earlier with the cameras, um. I got a little nervous. I was like, I don't want to push it. You know what I mean? Like, it's time to walk away. I think we've seen enough. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk down just a little bit here. But this is 7th and Arch. That's the, the cell that I was in for about a year, you know, in free trial. And uh, miserable experience. When you walk down here, you get a little bit further, you should be able to hear. I don't know if it's too late. I don't know what time they close it. See if we can hear. But when you come to this alleyway here, the back of the building, you can see the rec decks that I was talking about. Can you see up there? Yep. See those cages to the right? It's metal cages, two stories. There's solid on the bottom, mesh on the top. So you can't actually see outside. Well, you can see out and up a little bit, right? As you can see, there's not a lot of visibility. It's just enough to get a little bit of air. You can hear that there's life out here. Um, but you are very much in a cage. And it's all by design. It's meant to isolate you. 
Um, yeah, it's meant to instill a sense of hopelessness and despair uh, and get people to submit to the system and tap out, not fight it, which is why the federal government has a 99% conviction rate. Imagine that. Most people just don't have the resources, the means, the mental fortitude, you know, um, to fight like what it takes. They have literally limitless resources all the time in the world. They will wear you down. Um, and if you choose, choose to fight like I did, you got to be prepared to pay the price. And although it was definitely an unjust sentence, um, listen, man, I deserve time. I needed time to get myself together. Uh, but the way that they went about it wasn't the right way to do it. You know, there is, there is a just way, a more humane approach. That's why we um, need SPC. That's right. So, yeah, here we are. Man, see the front of the building? Mm -hmm. I was hoping that as it got a little bit later, you know, it got darker, we'd be able to see when the lights come on. You know, individuals come to the, they'll come to the window. They'll look out. Uh, I wish there was a way, you know, there used to be women who'd come by and they'd have signs like, I love you, I miss you, whatever. And they'd come out here and they'd sign, you know, big signs. Did they get shooed you away by staff? I think, I, I'm pretty sure that's ultimately what ended up happening. So, and I don't know how much latitude I have here um, to continue to film. And I'm looking at the windows now and I'm, and I'm thinking that what they probably did was there's like film that you can put over them to block them out. I don't know if that's the case or not, but it looks like it probably because you can't really see. That's so sad to me too, because like, as you're talking, there are certain words that just hit really hard. Like here, I understand. And I agree that people need to do time and people, you know, some people should never see the light of day again. That's how heinous the things that they have done are. So I'm not saying that I disagree, but like hearing your loved one being locked in a cage, like using the word cage, it just hits you in your core or the word shackles. You know, there's just certain things that just hurt to hear when it's about your loved one. And what could those women possibly doing quote wrong that just, you know, just holding up a sign that says, I love you, or I miss you that could make and brighten somebody who's in such a horribly depressing situation. It could just make them smile. Like to me, that's so cruel to black out those windows or darken those windows so they can't see out of them because what, like, I understand that safety and security measures need to be in place, but that's not safety and security. That's just mean. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I can't really see, and I don't know. Maybe in an hour, maybe it'd be easier to see. I'm not sure. No, there's definitely something over them. 
Sad. Sad, sad, sad. But I'm not I'm not really surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. And I can hear every excuse under the sun why it's safety and security, like stupid, you know, stupid stuff that they could get away with it because we lived that for years. It's just sad to me. Yep. So safety and security. Interesting that you use that term because you know it well. Um, and that is the term that always comes up to justify different aspects of corrections. You know, safety and security, safety and security was one of the things that most attracted me to social purpose corrections. Brian, our CEO, being, listen, he is arguably one of the most accomplished wardens in the country. The diversity of his experiences, having run security for all 65 of core civics prisons at one time and then been the warden of their largest complex like he's just he's done a lot on the securities and operation side knows prisons inside and out and having operated private prisons he knows how to save money and by creating efficiencies and that's you know what our whole nonprofit prison model is based on being able to take all that extra money that exists and put it where it belongs into creating a better environment for both staff and residents and equipping all of those therein, everybody that lives in lives and works in that environment with enhanced communication skills that ultimately allow them to, you know, um, better communicate with one another to ensure that it's a more positive, productive relationship instead of just an authoritarian relationship where it's like, do this, do it now. And it creates resentment, hostility, you know, all of the negative impacts we currently have of incarceration. So Brian can address all of those quote unquote safety and security concerns. And he has already said, hey, man, we can easily take care of that and do so many incredible things to make that a better environment. That was one of the things that most attracted me to working with Brian, knowing that you know we share the same values, the same mindset, his expertise, and you know, on the operation side and mine on the cultural transformation on the inside, you know, helping to build those communities. Uh, no, thank you. It's just perfect fit, right? So. Absolutely. And it's funny because uh, I was consulting with him at one point and he was asking me my experience uh, at visit and, you know, throwing around some ideas. And it was interesting. My initial responses were all negative. Like, you can't do that. You can't do that. And he's like, we need to think outside of the box. Like, we can do that because this is our thing. And I was like, wow. Right? Yes. It's hard to, you know, just break the chains of what we've been subjected to for so many years. True. So true. So taking a trip through Chinatown. 
Um, Are you going to where you, uh, the place where you robbed? No, no, no. We're not going to walk that far. Oh. Um, and that would be rather anticlimactic because, as you already know, that place no longer exists. It's literally a hole in the ground at this point. Um, and I guess I feel pretty good about that. Absolutely. What a great metaphor for, you know, finding that today. And the reason I wore green today is because I was going to wear blue because it signifies freedom. But I wore green because it signifies like a rebirth, renewal, um, like spring, you know, how it's just like a fresh start. So when you told me that, that place was just a parking lot with a dumpster, that's just, I love it. I love it because it just symbolizes everything that needs to be left in the past. Absolutely. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Um, we got a, a question from Lisa Michelle saying, uh, was being on supervision harder than being incarcerated? Why or why not? Ooh, good question. Um, harder? Absolutely not. No. And I could say that quite you know, easily. My experience, first and foremost, was good on supervision. But it's also because, I mean, I was, I was living totally straight and narrow. And as soon as my, you know, PO saw that uh, and I made every attempt to, you know, be completely transparent and let her in on everything I was doing, things went smooth. Conversely, you know, in prison, regardless of how transparently I lived, there was a foot on my neck every single day. And that wasn't just a feeling because as Ro can confirm, we recently, uh, by more than one person, had that confirmed to us. Yeah. That there, there were people who were actively trying to not only derail what I was doing, but, you know, put me in the hole, to try and just make sure that I failed. Yeah, and from and we did know that while it was happening, but it was definitely confirmed. But from my perspective too, it was way easier to be on paper than it was when you were in prison because at the end of the day, like we slept next to each other every night. At the end of the day, uh -huh. I could hear your voice every single day and you could call me. I could call you back when I missed your calls. And and when I mean when I say like we slept next to each other every night, there were times oh, if I didn't hear from you for a couple of days when you were in prison as a prison wife, your mind goes to the worst case scenario, even though I always knew, okay, that's stupid. Like I know he's fine. And if I need to freak out, it'll be when I have confirmation that I need to freak out. But a lot of women in my shoes or men, you know, in my shoes who have a loved one in prison, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of just scary situations that could happen. So for me too, because you were living right, uh, it was way easier to be on paper than it was to be in prison or outside of huh. prison while you were in prison. What'd you say? That's interesting. Let me flip this real quick. Can I? I can't flip it. 
So let me get you in the in the background here. So in Philly, there are groups of young men, women who ride around on dirt bikes. And it looks like the police have found a solution that they went out and got some dirt bikes too. Ha, huh, that's funny. So so there was a crew of of officers who just rode by on these dirt bikes. That was a first. I've never seen that. That's really funny. Yeah. Yep. Um, I have another question here, and this is from Mrs. Rogers. Uh, my first question is, how did you start a podcast, and how long did it take to finish since your release? My husband was released, and he's trying to do go in the similar direction, but with different content. I don't understand the finish part. How long did it take to finish being on paper or finish? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe know you can either. clarify Miss Rogers, but starting a podcast and that, that like content grind, it's kind of where I see this question going. How does it feel? You were outside with cameras today. Yeah. Like that's like a superstar move. Yeah. Oh, that- it definitely, it felt like a reality TV series moment um, because people on the street, the reaction, well, people in the hotel, we actually got, we were asked to leave the Marriott um, because we did not have permission to film. And I'll tell you the reason for that was because um, the event that I'm attending CLA one of the two, these are basically politically appointed officials who serve the governors of each state. And uh, they're pretty well insulated, right? Makes sense. Yeah, um, they don't want those people to feel like, you know, anyone's invading their privacy, so like even where our conference was today is in a private ballroom and the other event is over in the larger expo center. Um, So that's how to distinguish those two different spaces. Uh, Very, very different. And that was all part of it. Um, But walking around with the film crew on the street you know, the way some people respond to it, not all of them are positive. You know, some it was kind of negative, like people obviously didn't want to be on camera. Got to respect that. So it's all good. Uh, that's that's good to know. That's good to know. Uh yeah. I'll make sure we get press passes uh, from CNN <laughs> before we send you the film crew again. So I'm coming back around right now and we'll see what you can see right here. I'm coming up on the front of the convention center, which, you know, when I was a kid and I was here, I knew the convention center was here. I didn't go to anything in the convention center. I had no reason to be here, right? But 
looking at it now and like being at this conference, seeing how massive this space is, like it's, I can't even describe it. Huge, hundreds of thousands of square feet. Um, all the vendors who are here. Our recent guest, Michael Santos, our good friend, um, Michael, is at the expo. I ran into him this morning. He's looking forward to us coming out there to California, spending some time with me and his wife. We are definitely looking forward to that as well. So the Hard Rock Cafe is down here on the corner of the convention center. The famous um, Reading Terminal or Reading Market. Is that what it's called? That's like a block away. It's all this indoor crazy, you know, market foods from all over the world. And you see right behind me, there's City Hall. And it was on the other side of City Hall, just a few blocks down, that that's where I was arrested. So we just took a walk all the way around. I'm right back to where my hotel is, where the conference is. I was just at the Federal Detention Center. You know, we were standing out front of there. We walked by the courthouse. This is where the majority of my case, um, many of my crimes are within a few blocks from here. Like it all took place right here. And here I am back in Philly all these years later, officially a free man today. Wow. That smiles. There's moments when it, when it, when it definitely hits me. This is one of those moments. So pretty surreal. And uh, George, I definitely got to thank you and the rest of the Sticky Paws crew for, you know, believing in us in this podcast, for sending the film crew out here today to capture all of this. It's been an amazing experience. Um, and I'm so grateful that we were able to, to get all of that on tape. And I'm excited to see what we're going to do next. I am too, man. I am too. It's only the beginning. I think uh, you're really laying the foundation uh, for how you have to attack this. And it's, it's through modern day content. And, you know, this message will, will resonate with plenty of people. And we'll get that video hopefully out sooner rather than later to really encapsulate how special a moment this was but uh it's it's a pleasure dude it's a pleasure to work with you and ro and uh yeah it's it's so storybook it's almost uh i mean god i'm gonna i i struggle to tell people uh the story just because usually it's the 213 years where people look at me like oh well that's crazy. You're in the same room with this guy? Huh? Like, what did he do? Um, but yeah, no, the ones that really allow me to to get into it, uh, they're, they're just as shocked as, as I am. And I know we got people in the chat and viewers that look forward to seeing you guys every week. And those amount of people are going to continue to grow. 
I know it. I know it. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to to be the initiator of the start of this ride. But I would say Roe did a, a good deal of the documenting before we we got to know you. So shouts out to you. Thank yeah. you. Thank yes. you. And it's funny. I don't speak Spanish, but I watched George tell the story in Spanish to a woman who was here just a couple minutes before we started. And by her reactions and like the couple of words I understood, I could tell the way that George was telling the story, her reaction. It was amazing. And nice. for a Hispanic lady to say, you know, the telenovelas, it's, I mean, this is they, that what she said? No. And I mean, oh. like, <laughs> you couldn't write a, a oh, I see. Hispanic soap opera like yeah. this. Maybe they should. If it doesn't work in English, Maybe if it doesn't work in English, should. we go in Spanish and we just crush it. I'm down. Let's do it. What would Adam's Spanish name right. be? Ooh, I don't know. We have to ask you. Uh, Adismo. <laughs> Adismo. Okay. Sure. Row is Rosanna. Rosalita. Oh. Okay. <laughs> then J Lo like really that. has to play me. <laughs> Any more questions before we get going? Uh no, no. That I, a movie needs to be made from Lisa Mitchell. Just lots of positive comments. It was the Reading Terminal Market. Uh there we go. Lauren Johnson says, I'm looking forward to moving there. So much history in that city. She's moving here? Correct. Lauren Johnston. Wow. wow. Okay. And a couple years too late, but that's okay. Right. Here's something that I saw, and I just <clears throat> not sure if you know. Uh, Steph Okison said, My best friend has been at uh, the Federal Detention Center in Philly since the end of 2018. The women oh, aren't allowed outside at all. I couldn't imagine. That's terrible. I mean, that's heartbreaking. From a human biology perspective, that's so unhealthy. That's so heartbreaking. Poor thing. Yeah. From like a mental health perspective for her, whew, just keep sending her. I mean, not that I need to tell you this, but just keep sending her so much positivity, so much love, you know, the emails if you can, the letters, whatever you can, because that has to be really excruciating. That's all I got. Okay. Go ahead, Adam. That's all you got. Well, George, that's a lot. It's been it's been a long day. It's been an incredible day. Uh, what a way to cap it off, to celebrate, to end it right here on Gridability. I love it. Um, you know, the power of perseverance, that's really what it's all about. This is where it started. Today it comes full circle and it's, you know, it's another chapter. It's over. And, uh, Yay. That's right. So excited to see what is next. Thank you all for being along on this ride with us. We love you. We appreciate, appreciate you, you. Another great episode of Gridability, uh, overcoming seemingly insurmountable odds to attain this life of our dreams. We love you guys. We'll see you back here on the next episode. Thank <laughs> you.